Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I certainly know what it's like to work on deadline. And uh, you, know, you, you think of like the White House, you're like scrambling to get pardons in before you leave and grab some stationery. Uh, you know, Mayor Luke Bronin, City of Hartford. What, what do you have left for days? Like when, when are you <laughs> officially think, out? I'm officially out when the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve. Is that really uh, how I, it goes? I, what is it? I think 18 days now. But I think after next Friday, nobody's going to listen to what I have to say. So I, gotta, I don't think I gotta, that's I gotta, true. I got a few more days to try to get a few things ticked off the to do list. But you seem to have a good relationship with Arunin, right? Yeah, no, we've got a great relationship. We've been we we talk you know multiple times a day and and working closely together. Do you think those calls will stop completely on January one? Look, I, I I'll be as available as he wants me to be. Uh, but you know it it'll be it'll be his his uh, show and 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 his time to lead. We got the whole hour with with Mayor Bronin, so we don't have to, you know, feel so rushed. So, I mean, I have a whole bunch of things I want to talk to you about, from just finishing up to the things you want to get done before you go in the short time. To I want to talk Heartlift a lot. I got a good firsthand view of it actually uh, with the uh, uh, Metro Hartford Alliance. I want to talk about the governor stuff. I want to talk about national politics. I want to talk to. I want to talk about what you're reading. Are you going to play music? AI technology with your children. I got a lot of stuff I want to cover with you. So, I mean, I guess the first and foremost, since we started there, I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, is it, are you getting nostalgic or you're too busy? I mean, you're starting to do a fair amount of exit interviews and sort of, sort of lay claim to your legacy and what's ahead. And, but how do you feel? Look, I've, I love this job. I'm going to miss it. But I'm ready. It's been eight years. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, there has not been a boring day in those eight years, and uh, and and it's time. But there really are a few more things I'm trying to get done. And so I'd say these last few weeks have been as busy as any weeks in those eight years. And there's still a few things I'm I'm really trying to push. You know, either push over the finish line or push push the next stage. We've got a what lot of What can development you do in projects. 18 days? Like, well, what we've you- got a we've got a whole bunch of development projects where we're either trying to get to a place where we can sign development agreements or uh, get to closing or make sure that we have you know all pieces of the capital stack in place. You know, yesterday we look la- la- last week we uh, were able to do the sort of ceremonial groundbreaking for a big project uh, up in uh, on North Main Street at the old Fuller Brush factory. Right, and you got the library yesterday. Yesterday, the library. And, and each of those required a lot of work to put the pieces in place to make sure that we were confident that they were ready to move forward. And, and in many of these cases... You know, the the groundbreakings uh, are going to happen when the weather gets warm, and, and so it's still about planting seeds right now that are going to you know, grow and blossom after I'm there. But I there's a lot of things that I 
and my team have worked really hard on and cared deeply about. And we want to make sure that we're putting them in the best position for continued uh, success and, and forward motion. You know, I, I we got to take a quick break here already. And we again, we'll have a bigger segment at 820. And then we'll have another shorter segment at, at 840 and a longer segment at 850. So I, I don't want to ask any, you know, huge overarching questions here when we only have like like a minute. I, you know, I don't and I'll sort of set this up. I don't view Hartford like I view like I look at the Middle East as like maybe it's an unsolvable problem. And I don't view Hartford as an unsolvable problem. I do though think there are some monumental challenges. And I I wanna get into like and I think of the 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 RPI campus and, and other things. And I think the apartments are great. I don't know what, what capacity is hit. I don't know about UConn. Like, I still feel like if we could make a deal for like an entire school within UConn, one of their great, to have people yeah. like dorms. I want yeah, people well, living look, there. I, I, I don't, I don't have anything to announce on that front, but that's something we've been working really hard on. And I actually feel pretty optimistic that uh, there will be Yukon housing uh, in the not-too-distant future in the heart of downtown. Because then Pratt and Street can work. Pratt, look, I think Pratt Street is already starting to work. I, I think the, the key to Pratt Street and, and the rest of downtown working, as, as you and I have talked about, is getting to critical mass when it comes to the residential density. Right? I think we were getting there coming into 2020 because you had the residential uh, development and the influx of, uh, of people coming into new apartments, coupled with all the people who were working in office buildings. Post-pandemic, you don't have the people working in office buildings, yeah. and so you need that many more residential units. You need that many more people living in and around the downtown. I actually think in the long term, that's going to lead to a healthier, stronger city because a, a healthy, strong city needs that residential base in the core of its downtown. And I think we're, we've accelerated that work in response to the pandemic. We were already pushing pretty hard on it, but I, I think that's going to be really, really important. And I would love to see UConn students as a part of that. That's something we have pushed, advocated, and partnered on. And I think we're, we're moving a lot closer. I, I think <clears throat> I never learned the whole song. You know, I, I remember you're not a beauty, but hey, you're all right. I little snippets of it. But there's a group of teammates of mine on the hockey team in college where they knew the song Cold. And after every win at our party, they would sing this song. And it became this like arm in arm thing. So like I've heard Thunder Road like thousands of times. It's, it's my only karaoke song. Do you play covers at all, like, when you play? No. No, not really. Only. I mean, sure. No, no, sometimes. But I don't it? play much anymore. I mean, you know, it's not really – you can't really describe my music career in the present tense. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and I want to get into the the future in a second. Yeah. But I, I do want to just, you know, put a, a little bit of a ribbon because I, I, I do want to talk about the heart – I want to get it in while we can because I, I took a tour – was it is it is it Briggs? What, what's the gentleman's name who runs the Hartford Alliance? Briggs, David Briggs. Briggs. Dave, what a great guy! And I did a little walking tour with him, and like Pratt Street has, and again I know it's one pocket, and you got you know Parkville, like there's so much potential there, and like my concern again like is like is the timing? Are enough of these apartments going to be online? There's enough people because I go there midday on a weekday, and it's really quiet. And some of these concepts of these places are awesome. That liquor store is awesome. That clothing store is phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, like I just, I just worry about the timing. Sure. Well, look, I, I mean, I think to some extent we we're playing against the clock. I think we have to you got to ladder these things up. You know, we're we're building a lot of residential, and we also have to make sure there's enough restaurants and coffee shops and and retail and. Uh, and we're we're doing our best to keep both of those things moving forward at the same time. I, the Heartlift program that you're talking about has been 
really important and and it's been successful beyond what we could have hoped. You know, we we built this because we were looking for a way to help some of those property owners that had hit, been hit by vacancy during the uh, pandemic also to help small businesses and, and entrepreneurs open up or move into brick and mortar. And then most importantly, to activate those vacant retail spaces so you had that energy and and, uh, and, and vibrancy on the street level. And with what we've done so far, there are 63 businesses that are either open or in the process of opening in vacant storefronts around the city, not just in the downtown. Not in, just in, Trumbull in and Pratt, not, other spots. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, again, dozens throughout the city. Um, and the biggest concentration in one place is on Pratt Street. And you can see the power of it there because that's a street where for decades, literally for decades, the entire north side of the street was vacant. And almost every single one of those storefronts is either something new or under construction to be yeah, something new. It's impressive. Uh, and they're and they're great places. You know, Bloom Bake Shop is a great is a great yeah, it's spot. A good spot. Um, but as you said, I mean, you go down the line. Uh, we're working hard. I think we may have an announcement coming pretty soon on the that beautiful corner space on the corner of Trumbull and Pratt. Uh, and so you got to keep those going. We also though are are eyes wide open about the fact that not every one of those businesses is going to be successful. You know, this the Heartlift partnership just to step back is it's a it's a public private partnership. We go in and we make a commitment of funds uh, to help make it possible for those small businesses to open, but they're putting a lot of skin in the game and a you lot know, of sweat equity, a too. lot of sweat equity, but also a lot of money. Yeah, uh, it, this is you know this is not just the city going in and and uh, and giving a grant. This is us helping them get over that hurdle uh, to make the economics work to to take the risk of opening a business. And it's been and and it was recognized. Uh, not uh, just a few weeks ago, by the International Economic Development Council as the single best use of federal funds in the country for promoting economic development. Well, let me ask you real quick, because I, I, I love the concept, and I, I, t- I tell everybody I meet, I don't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body, but that's why I love business, and I love to yeah. follow it and cover it, because I have such respect. And when I see the couple, the two people, you know, hammering out, you know, sheetrock to build that restaurant— the the cocktail. I mean, they're doing the work themselves. If I have a good idea, how do I go? How does it happen? So I I take I take this idea and I bring it to whom, and then they give me how much money and how much are am you, I? Are I, you saying for heartless? Yeah, specifically like how or it, just how do you no, start a business? No, 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 no like heartless. <laughs> Say I have a concept yeah. for a business. Do I even need yeah. to have? No, you need a little more than a concept. You know, you you, you got to have the capital. You got to have a business plan. You got to have a lease signed with with. So the you have to have owner. all those things before right. you can get the grant. That's right, and you and then you come in and and you present it to us. And you know, one of the the things that we did intentionally was we tried to make it uh, as as simple and as. Uh, as clear and consistent as possible, because you know, as you're taking the risk of starting a business, predictability and simplicity is really important. So we basically said, if you're coming in and you are, you have a signed lease and you are uh, opening a business and and uh, you have the capital to match our investment at least one for one dollar, you know, dollars one for one in in the downtown uh, and fit fifty percent in the neighborhoods, then we will commit fifty dollars per square foot to help you with those build out costs. Now, as you know, I mean, usually a small business is putting well, well beyond uh, the the match into those businesses, and they're taking significant risk. Uh, and as I said before, we know that some of those businesses aren't going to make it, but we also know that in the aggregate, taken all together, the the momentum we can create uh, is uh, is so important to the city, and that total impact 
uh, and the benefit of that far outweighs the risk we take on any particular property. And we also have this moment when we have to accelerate that recovery, right? Yeah. Coming out, the pandemic hit downtown Hartford hard, like it hit a lot of cities hard. Yeah. And so we had to accelerate it, and and it is moving forward in, in the right direction in some really exciting ways. But I think we got to keep our foot on the gas, and I think that means on all fronts. That means we've got to keep our foot on the gas when it comes to the retail activation, and we got to keep our foot on the gas in building residential. We got about twenty five hundred units new units of residential at various stages of the pipeline development right now. How do you know people right want to uh, go it's, there? It's not a theoretical question. The apartments fill up as soon as we build them. The rents have you know, continued to exceed pro forma. The, all of those properties have performed. Occupancy in the downtown is like 97, 98%. Do you know if what the, are there any way to, to ascertain what like the peak would be like no you- i actually I, I take a very different view of it which is that i feel really strongly that the more you build the more density you create the more successful future developments will be because people bring people energy brings energy and investment brings investment so i, I think that those who who look at it and say oh you're you're going to saturate the market i think they're they're misguided you know look at west hartford mm-hmm. you know they didn't say you know, are we going to have too many restaurants? If we had another restaurant, is it going to fail? No, it's successful precisely because there's so much in one place, and uh, and that draws more people, it draws more energy, and that feeds on itself. I think the same th- is true in residential markets in a lot of cities, and you've seen that. Uh, you know, I I think Connecticut as a whole really missed the shift back to urban centers in the 90s and the early 2000s, and and lost a lot of opportunity there. But but you saw cities hit that tipping point and then continue to grow in their own momentum. Uh, to some extent, you're seeing that happen in a place like Stamford, which yeah, has benefited from totally. the geography of being close to New York and people and coming out. And much less expensive. Um, and much less expensive than New York, much more expensive than, than Hartford. No, no, but uh, I'm saying like that's the alternative for correct. Manhattan. Yeah. It, yeah, and so it, all that is to say, I, I think we need to continue to push aggressively to get the critical mass. I, I think that we need at least 5,000 more units in the in and around the downtown uh, to get us toward that that tipping point. But I think we're getting there, and I think you can feel it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pause there. We're gonna check on the weather and, and get news for you. And then coming up, we're going to talk about the future, uh, potential plans to run for governor, as well as some viewpoints on national politics. Uh, we're here with Mayor Luke Bronin, uh, the outgoing mayor of the city of Hartford after two terms. He's got. Less than three weeks left. I got my he, Spotify he, he read, wrapped. He read, he, read, he read Kevin Rennie's piece. Oh, That's fine. I see. Um, we're back with Luke Bronin, mayor of Hartford. I, you know, it's one of those things where I believe that it would be tough if I, you know, that you're stuck on an island with one album. Blood on the Tracks might be my album. One of the best albums ever. I can't, I can't I go back and forth between that and Joshua Tree, but I think I would take Blood on the Tracks. What I mean, would it be Thunder? Would it be is that is that from Born to Run? Thunder Road was on Born to Run. Yeah, but that album though. I mean, Blood on the Tracks would probably be the album. I mean, Thunder Road is my favorite song. Blood on the Tracks would probably be the album. I mean, Shelter from the Storm. You have Tangled yeah. Up in Blue. Yeah. Um, Meet Me in the Morning. Yeah. I mean, that album. And you know, the funny thing is, I went to Bob Dylan when I was like four, fifteen, and I was like, this sucks. I was like, this guy's voice is terrible. Like, I didn't get it. You have to be a mature. I think. And plus, like you know, like a Rolling Stone and all that stuff. I don't think those songs are his best songs. Like, like that album is just yeah. insanely good. I, I just are you gonna play music? Are you gonna play music again? I don't I mean, know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I occasionally pick it up and play a little bit. But you not know, when what, you're I stressed think what at might, night or something. What you know? might get me in, into playing again is my my 
youngest daughter, our 10-year-old, is starting to, is, loves music. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. She sings, you know, probably 14 of the 16 hours that she's awake. Uh, and, oh, really? Uh, and I started teaching her guitar last year, and she's she's loving it, and she's she's practicing. So... Uh, that may be the thing that gets it's me back It's not a de-stressor playing. for you then. It's not, because I have a lot of friends who are it, musicians who like, when they just pick it up and it just sort of decompresses you them. You know, it, it, it is a little bit, listening to music's a de-stressor, but the problem is I'm so rusty that I just feel bad about how it sounds. So it kind of stresses yeah. me out even more right now. I think if I can take some time and actually uh, get back into shape, uh, I'll, I'll be able to enjoy it the way I want to. Well, so you talk about taking time. So January 1st rolls around. What are you gonna do? I'm I'm not all that good at uh, at taking time off, so I've already signed up for a bunch of things. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing some teaching, uh, and I'm gonna be doing some sort of advisory and consulting work. Uh, so I've got a, f- a few different projects. And, Where are you gonna teach? Uh, I'm gonna teach down at Yale Law School. Do you know what the ca- the course is? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be there for a few semesters. Uh, this coming course, this coming spring, I'm just doing one course, but it's on hard issues at the state and local level, where there's a, a tangle of law and policy and politics, and uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be a way to reflect on a lot of the things that we've wrestled with over the last eight years, and that a lot of cities around the country wrestle with, and hopefully think about some of those things in a new way. You know, we're not breaking any news. I mean, you've you've been doing interviews with various outlets. As you say, your goodbyes for being mayor, and you've made it clear that if Governor Ned Lamont does not run, you'd be interested in running. Is that that's a fair appraisal of of your sentiment? Yeah, that's a fair appraisal. I mean, look, I, as as you know, and as you and I have talked about, uh, Governor Lamont's one of the most popular governors in the country. Uh, he's got uh, th- this election is in 2026. That's a long time away. I know, uh, and he's got uh, he should have as much time as he uh, as he wants to take to decide if he wants to run again. Uh, if he ultimately decides not to run again, uh, that that is definitely something that I would I would strongly consider. I, as as I said before, I love this work, uh, and um, and I love this state, and I love building a team, and uh, and so if he ultimately decides not to do it, you know, I think there's it. it that's probably something I would do. So with, you know, Sean Scanlon, Susan Bicewitz, now we hear Josh Elliott, and and that's just on the 
on the Democrat side and people we know about. Do you start doing some work on that just to be ready in case? Sure. I, I'm, but I mean, I think that for the last eight years, the work I've done to be ready is being mayor of the capital city. Uh, and, you know, as you know, before that, for a couple of years, I was the chief legal counsel to the governor. Right. Um, so you know, I think there's lots of different ways you get ready. I, I've also not just recently, but for many years have, have uh, tried to support Democrats running for offices all around the state, whether it's municipal office or, or state legislature. And I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, but I'd be doing that anyway. I mean, I, I I believe in supporting candidates that I believe in, and I, uh, and we've got a really strong bench throughout the state. And I think it's great that there are a lot of people who are thinking about it. You know, I think if you, when you think about running for an office, I don't think you go, you should go into it thinking who else is going to run, what are the chances. You know, you you go and say if this is a place where you feel like you can make a difference, and then you go make that case to the voters. Yeah, uh, you think you'll, you'll know by this time next year. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. But again, I mean, I think all, all of that ultimately comes back to you know, what yeah, what I mean, the governor decides to do I, and, I was and, like, and when. And, and I, you know, and, and it really is early to have these conversations. I mean, I know I, I can't tell you, you know, it's not too we early don't want to talk me. about it. It's obviously <laughs> it's not, not too, too early, early for you. For me. But but in a, in another sense, it is. And I and I think it's it's. It, I wish we had shorter election cycles in general. In uh, in our country, I think it would be better for uh, for public policy if we spent more time focused on policy and less time focused on politics. So we you mean you would have longer terms or shorter No, terms? no, no. I just mean, you know, the election oh, calendar and cycle and, and when it, people start talking about it's who's running for what. It's you just mean, it's a little early. I mean, having spent a lot of time in New Hampshire, it's amazing how early people start showing up in New Hampshire. But what I would say is I was always pretty confident that he wouldn't run for a third term. It's like he's got enough money and he's got his life in front of him. Go live life, do something else. But then when I saw sort of how much he seemed to be enjoying himself and the budget projections, even though they slow, they they basically virtually guaranteed to stay in the black for five years. And so I'm like, why wouldn't? What else? He's not going to play golf every day, you know. So I, I've I've and I've had some people telling me that he really enjoys it. So I, I the reason why it's in my in my mind because I know it's something. You'd probably like to do. And I feel like he's kind of in real time in front of me. This is my opinion, not yours. Kind of changing his mind a little bit. But I, I have people who disagree with me. So, um, And I, I think there's just so many people who are so transparent about wanting it, you know, that it's 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 something I, I – it's a nice little cottage game for me. I just – I like talking about it. We're talking with Mayor Luke Bronin uh, from the city of Hartford. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious about – so you're not going to practice law? No. Okay. So that's that's at least that's the, not the plan right now. You know, and you talked about the 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 election cycle and and how people really are running for re-election right away after getting elected and so on and so forth. I mean, how do you feel about things in general? Like, I <laughs> that's a big question for. Uh, well, no, poli- I'm talking <laughs> politically. I know, but like for me, like I I struggle with. I have three children. You have three yeah. children. I I you know I I've brought this up with you before. Probably I think of like this. Thomas Cole was a 19th century colonial artist, and he has this thing called Course of Empire. It's not that complicated that there's this, you know, emergence, and then there's the peak, and then there's the decline of the empire. And decadence is sort of like that that turning point, that inflection point. And it feels like we're past the peak, and, and now we're having all this discord, and I don't understand a lot of it, and I'm sad. So, yeah. I mean, that's why I ask how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say I— I reject the idea that you know the the course uh, the, the, there's there's an inevitable arc to a a, a country or a nation or a people's um, uh, 
History would disagree with you there. Well, well, yes and no, Brian. I mean, you you look through our history, and we went through periods of enormous challenge, enormous stress, where we not only came close to the breaking point, but we broke. We went through a civil war. Uh, You know, we we went through a Great Depression. We went through enormous challenges to our political system, uh, and and each time we renewed. I, I think our what is one of the things that is so different about America is that I think we have had throughout our history a unique capacity to renew ourselves. And one of the things I do fear the most right now is that um, our our ability to renew is getting limited by some of our political structures. You know, there have been throughout the course of our history really significant changes that allowed us to evolve, you know, giving women the right to vote, the civil rights movement. Uh, I am worried that things like gerrymandering and the filibuster and uh, the extent to which the United States Senate is not representative uh, of the majority of Americans is causing people really to lose faith and is also making it harder for us to make those changes that allow us to evolve and renew ourselves politically. And, uh, and what's going to change that? What's going to change that? Though? I don't know. I can't see the future. Um, but but I hope a third party just right now is only viewed as a way to get another party elected, right? Because it just seems to everyone says, well, a third party would just take votes away from A, so B will win. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has to come from a third party, though. And I think that, again, throughout throughout our history, there have been uh, both people and movements that, that were very hard to anticipate you know, before they happened. Uh, and that's for good and for ill. You know, I think that uh, the the movement that Trump built was pretty hard to to see, at least to, to see it with the the force that it that it had a few years before. I think that's been in, enormously damaging because I think that Trump is fundamentally not committed to our constitution and not committed to our democratic republic. Um, but. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who disagree with that, but I feel pretty strongly about that. On the other hand, you know, I think there have been leaders throughout our history that uh, that have been able to bring us together uh, in ways that people didn't anticipate. You know, people were really in the in during the Great Depression in those early years of the Great Depression. There was so much talk about the fracturing of America, the fact that America was in decline and couldn't recover, that the system couldn't be repaired, and then it did, and it was renewed through a combination of political process of war. leadership, uh, eventually through war, but uh, but even before that, uh, I think through a reimagining of what the social contract in America would do, what the role of government could be. Um, so I, I, I remain- uh, You're, you're I, actually I, trying to tell me you're optimistic, which am, to me I am is- optimist, I'm optimistic, but I think there's also you know a, a lot of, look, we're, we're, we have to navigate some really- dangerous, difficult terrain in the years ahead in this country. But what I reject is the idea that there is some inevitability to our decline or there's some, you know, we are, we're well, broken me, beyond repair. I think that is a, I think that ignores our capacity in this country to, uh, to, to heal, to reimagine, to renew ourselves. I, and I think there's lots of examples of that throughout our history. I worry about a spiral. I worry about something getting out of control. One thing I've learned about the last four years is that things can get away from you and you can't, control it and it can lead to some very bad things. So I, I don't want I don't want it to be the case. I mean I I live a privileged life and I'm I want my kids to be safe yeah. and happy. You know, and it's a conversation you're right that we don't have enough time to really un, unpack. But the one question I have before we finish things up is 
you know, your two of your children really are emerging in a political consciousness. I mean, they're at the age where they probably still sort of echo their parents' views because they're still figuring it out, but they're also testing out them their own selves, right? I mean, what do they ask you? What do they what do they think? I mean, uh, you know, like I think your oldest in high school, my my daughter in high school, she's a senior now. This is a little different. Is it you know, she thinks she's convinced of a bunch of different things, and, and it's pretty interesting to hear her talk. I don't know what they say to you or what they ask you. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they've they've grown up around uh, these conversations, and, and it's been in their consciousness for a while. I'm not going to speak for them or represent their views, you know, if and when they decide to talk about But do they ask a lot? Sure, they... we talk a lot. They ask a lot. We have a lot of conversations and, and a lot of great conversations, and they and they ask challenging questions, and that's one of the great things about being, uh, being a father, as you know. Um, but can I, I just want to, I want to come back to your point before, because in saying that I don't believe in the idea of the inevitability of decline, um, that doesn't mean that I don't fear the kind of spiral you talk about. Um, I do believe that the, the greatest risk of that spiral is clearly definable, and it is Donald Trump. I believe that very, very deeply. I mean, what, That's your what our founders, it's yeah. my opinion, uh, but what our founders feared most when they designed our Constitution and, uh, and, and set the framework for our country was the damage that an individual from within who was so ambitious for power that they would be willing to break that system could do. And that's another lesson that history has taught us throughout the ages. And I think we have a very clear and specific threat that will could put us into the kind of spiral you talk about. Yeah. And I think we have to, I feel we have to talk very, very directly and honestly about that. I think for me, you know, I, I don't offer too many views on this because I try to stay independent, but to me it's the, the, the lack of trust in institutions you're like, I never would question authority when it came to like the FBI and these other things, and maybe I should have questioned things more. But the 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 challenge with your premise, and I'm not challenging the premise, is that the alternative, even for people who agree with you, is not encouraging for them either. Like, I think there's just a lot of people would like to see these two old white men step aside and have other options, and some that sort of um, evoke some hope. And that we can keep work within the systems, but just make them better and more trustworthy, and have you know. T- to me, there's just a lot of people. I can't tell you how many people say, "I want, I don't want either one of them." Yeah. And so, what do you do there? The, and, and, so, some say the alternative is is. Some say it's it's equally dangerous, but I, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that they don't want either option. Okay, I I, I think. It's really, it's all, you know, coming back to this, we were talking about our, the, the political calendar and, and, um, and the cycles of politics. I think one of the other things that, that is important to talk about when we talk about politics is we shouldn't just be focused on the presence of the United States. You know, w- we just came through a municipal election cycle. You know, I, I, I obviously wasn't on the ballot uh, by choice, but almost every community in Connecticut had the chance to pick who yeah. was going to be leading their board of education, who is going to be leading their uh, their town council, who is going to be their mayor or first selectman. Those decisions ha- are, are hugely consequential in each of those communities. Uh, in some places, you see a lot of engagement. In other places, not so much. But you know, the strength of our democracy doesn't come from our presidential elections. It comes from the strength of our local democracy. It comes from the, sta- the extent to which we're engaged and active. And so if people are you know disengaged because they're not happy with the Two people who are the you know they're going to be the nominees of the major parties for presidency. 
that's a pretty stupid reason to disengage from the political system altogether. Uh, you know, you go back to, to, to Tocqueville's democracy in America. The strength of the democracy that he saw was rooted in local institutions and not just political ones, but but social organizations, uh, community organizations. There are so many ways that people can be involved in building community, in in strengthening our politics. And, and I'm sort of making this passionate plea that people do that uh, because – Ultimately, I think if we don't do that, we're going to lose the things that made this country uh, the greatest country in the world. Well, I think that honestly, like with the 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 downgrade in local journalism holding people account locally, I think you kind of have to like local engagement has to fill the void. The problem is if you look at voter turnout and non-presidential elections, the engagement's not there. It's period, full stop. But we, I, I want to stop there because I don't want to give short shrift to. You know, you and your career leading Hartford. I mean, you, you were talking with Mayor Luke Bronin, city of Hartford. You took over a city that was basically bankrupt. And now we're talking about things that, you know, are, are next level. I think there's a ton of challenges. But um, are, you wh- are you where you wanted to be eight years later? And sort of reflect on that. That's that. Arc. There's, a, there's, there are a lot of things we got done. There's a lot of things I wish we could have gotten done, and there's a whole lot left to do. So I would never say that we're where I wanted us to be. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if you had told me when I came in and we first got under that hood and saw the extent of the fiscal crisis and the the scale of it, uh, you know, if you had told me that uh, a few years later we'd begin to generate surpluses and we'd generate surplus after surplus and reinvest that into the community, uh, if you told me that we'd go eight years without borrowing a dollar uh, and uh, fund our capital investment, you know, from from our general fund and and be and, and maintain that discipline and at the same time be able to lower the mill rate by the the biggest property tax rate cut in in decades, I, I'm not sure if I would have believed that we would get to that point that fast. At the same time, uh, there are going to be lots of challenges in the years ahead. You know, the we talked before about the change in the office market and the, and and work from home. That's going to present a challenge because. Hartford has a large commercial property tax base. That property tax base is going to take a hit. That's why, as I've said before, I feel like we're playing against the clock. We've got to keep our development going as aggressively and quickly as possible because it's not going to be smooth sailing, but we're, we're in a fundamentally different place than we were. And I also think and I, I, I hope and believe that um, you know one of the biggest things that we've done is just restore confidence in city government, both among Hartford residents and among you know folks outside of Hartford, that uh, doesn't mean we get everything right all the time. What it means is that we've got a team that's trying to do the right things for the right reasons uh, and trying to give the community the kind of government that it deserves. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and privilege to have the dialogue, and I think that setting the tone to just to communicate with the people, because there's fewer and fewer ways to communicate with. The people, and so for me, it's really important, and I'm very grateful that you come on the air, and even some of the tough questions you're willing to answer. So I, I appreciate it. Wish you the best, and if and when you announce, feel free to come back and do it here. I I, I, <laughs> I always I always appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you, Brian, and and uh, and I hope you might invite me on even after yeah, I'm, we'll I'm no out. longer mayor. Listen, you know, we can come and listen to Bruce Springsteen I, and Bob Dylan, and I know uh, I get so serious <laughs> so fast with you. I know we could. We could it's shoot like the whiplash. Breeze. One minute I'm listening to I blood know, on the tracks, and I the know. next minute you're asking me about you know, a, uh, the soul of America. I have an intent. <laughs> I need to loosen up sometimes. There's no doubt about it. And we'll definitely do that, Mayor. We appreciate it. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.